Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the Newcastle Natter. My name is Fergus Craig and I am joined by Paul Doolan. Hello. And Dave Watson. Hello. Hi, Dave. Hi, Paul. Uh, So this week, there's, as always in the new era, a lot to talk about. We do have a new manager. His name is Eddie Howe. And we will get to that. But first... Let's talk a little bit about the Brighton game. I've got a tweet here from Paul M. He says, you have a free kick in injury time and the opposition have an outfield player in goal. Do you, A, have a long-range shot, B, whip a ball towards goal, or C, float an airy-fairy cross towards the corner flag? When it gets a John Joe Shel- gets a signed John Joe Shelby top, Paul, we watched this together in a uh, South London pub. It was quite some moment, wasn't it? <sighs> I'm still annoyed. It's it's just confusing. I don't like. You can talk all about tactics or how you prepare for certain situations, but everybody watching that game was thinking, surely he's going to just leather it towards the goal you would think like hit it as hard as you can or just try and get it towards the far post with players running in at it so at least the outfield player who's not a goalkeeper has to do something yeah I was I would understand not having a shot because it is a long way out but you do need to put it towards the goal Put it in a situation where the goalkeeper has to be involved. Yes. There's so many options. Like because of where it was, we could have sprayed the ball and because it was on the I mean it wasn't you could have put it out wide so that you can put in a dangerous cross in, into the mix. You could have had a you know, yes, you could have had a shot at goal. And a, a normal keeper would have just collected it, but you know any outfield player is going to be a little bit nervous trying to be a goalkeeper for, for five minutes. But it was one thing I wanted to say is I haven't been so angry 
at the accurate application of the laws of the game as I was when Callum Wilson was 100% round the keeper and going to score and give us our first win. But that fucking keeper, it it reminded me of Solskjaer on Robley. It's exactly what I said to Fergus at the time. (laughs) I was so angry. And then, like, my wife said, "What's wrong?" As they uh, like, I said, "Oh, they've, they've stopped the score and a goal." And, I was like, and she's like, "Oh, do you get a penalty?" I'm like, "Well, no, because it's outside the box." And it's like, "It's like, fuck, it's not good enough." It's just it was so close towards the end. If that had happened twenty minutes before mm. the end, surely, even with the rot at the heart of our squad, that that decision to do what we did with the free kick. Surely, in twenty minutes, somebody oh. might have perked up with the idea of maybe we should test the goalkeeper. But, have a shot, but, yeah. But five minutes of injury time wasn't enough for that idea to float in. We were, we were still, we were still locked in. Like, well, the only thing we can do as a squad is float it around. Who's just have a dig? Just yeah. I, I mean. We didn't lose the game, and we very much could have, because they were much better than us in the first half. We 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 stayed in it. Uh, I thought it was you know, a decent equaliser, but fuck, we could have won it. Yeah, and the other thing with that chance, what a ball from Joel Linton. Mm. Sort of, I don't know. I, we'll probably get onto this when we get onto how, but I wonder if there is. Maybe there is a footballer there that can can be unleashed. Well, there definitely I, I, is. He's been one of our better players this season. I, th- I think the, the big issue for, for Joe Linton is that he's often been played um, as an isolated striker, which it's not going to do his confidence any good. I think you play him alongside Callum Wilson, and I think you'd get better out of both of them. Maybe, but I would. I, I will get maybe into this whole thing. But whatever Eddie Howe decides to do going forward, I, I'd like to think it won't be with a view to accommodating Joe Linton and getting the best best out of him. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that, I mean that, that game. It wasn't. It was another game that we could have won. We did get a point from it. We weren't, we weren't absolutely battered, but at the same time, I think it revealed once again just what a state we're in and what a relegation battle we're in. Right, Paul? Sort of. I think that's definitely one way of interpreting that game. First half especially, we were dreadful. But there are kind of positives. That's the first time... We've not conceded a goal in open play all season, which it's not, you're not going to be setting fireworks off to celebrate. We've had a nil nil. Only a nil nil. That was Burnley, wasn't it? Now, didn't we have a nil nil against Watford? Was it Watford? One all. Was it? I believe so. All right, go on, carry on. <laughs> but we looked a bit more solid. And when we actually woke up, we looked like we were capable of scoring. And should have had two goals, really, with that Wilson chance. Mm. And Brighton weren't exactly possession-wise; they were hammering us. But it wasn't like Gar- Darlow was having the game of his life either. No, 
I actually saw a stat on um, about the keeper situation, and both Darlow and Woodman have conceded more goals than you would expect, given the quality of shots and chances that they faced. And so the the easiest thing for how to do to um, to, to to improve our defense is to just stick to Bradka back in the nets because, yeah. like Darlow's, I, it's hard because like. I don't think Darlow's been the reason that we've lost any games or failed to hold on to a win. I think that's more to do with the general malaise of the squad, but I just think Darlow's not as good as Martin Dubravka. Yeah, I think if you compare it to last compare it to last season, Darlow didn't play badly when he was in the team, but as soon as he was replaced with Dubravka, we became a better team. I think he's just got much more command of the defense. Darlow's better dis sorry, go on. Yeah, no, Darlow's kicking's terrible as well mm. but Dala doesn't stand out as looking like a poor keeper but the team always looks better with Dubravka in I don't think it's a yeah. coincidence I think it's pretty much a given that Dubravka will be back and when you look at uh, I would say it's the position that we're least likely to buy a new player in in January yeah yeah I'd agree um, i agree so anything else to say about the game I mean um, we've the penalty Penalty, yeah, there was a penalty. Yeah. <laughs> Any opinions on that penalty? <laughs> we, were watching, we were watching it in a pub with no sound on the game. So there was like, what well, the sound that we had was the sound from the rugby. So there was just sort of general sports sound, which I preferred to have in music, but it wasn't the sound for the match. So we just had our own conversation and a lad beside us from Yorkshire, who was a Newcastle fan, and his little bits of commentary. Mm. But I lost interest in the game pretty much early on. Well, it's, uh, it's hard to stay interested when your team's rarely on the ball and the other team aren't peppering your goal. So that's fine. Um, the, the thing about the penalty, soft, but fine. Like, I'm, I don't think it was wasn't a stonewall penalty, but if you, I, I don't think the reason that we failed to win that game is because we conceded a, a softish penalty. No, the annoying thing is, I think the referee got it probably wrong by not giving a penalty, but I don't think it was a clear and obvious one. Mm. Like, I don't think that should be overturned by VAR either. Maybe, but then I don't really understand that this argument comes up a lot about the clear and obvious, but like... I don't really don't. That's a that's a grey area, isn't it? What d- defines clear and obvious? Because I think although I think I'd if you have to that, look at it for four minutes, it's not clear. But enough. I don't think you do have to look at it for four minutes. I wouldn't call that. Uh, I, I I can understand why you'd call that a soft penalty, but I thought it was pretty clear cut. Really, he made contact with him, and yes, he went down. He he basically dived, but he only did that because it's basically impossible to get a foul as a footballer unless you fall down but it, it was a foul I, I think as soon as you saw one replay of it you knew that that was a foul and a foul so I, think that, was a I think that's the issue though is that it didn't take one look like it wasn't a he he, he basically re-refereed the decision and that's not what VAR's about it's supposed to be that um, you're called like the referee's called to say you've missed this, which is clear and obvious. Whereas, you know, if if Clark had, like, battered him, 
but the referee hadn't seen it, then then that's clear and obvious. I think but, I mean I I think it is clear and obvious because the first time is. I know they took a long time, but I think if the first time you look at as far as I was concerned, the first time the first replay that they showed, I said that's mm. a penalty. So as far as I'm concerned, that is clear and obvious. So I look. That, I think that's a weird fit. What's the point of having VAR if you're in a situation where you're going, I look at that one time and I say that's a penalty, but it's not this weird definition of clear and obvious. But it's clear and obvious to you, but the fact that they looked at it so many times means it wasn't clear and obvious to them. I'm not saying it wasn't a penalty, it was, but <clears throat> we are unlucky that that was overturned because the way they looked at it showed it wasn't clear and obvious to them. It wasn't clear well, I think that's just an instant, that's just a, a but thing also it wasn't between clear the referees that they, that they cannot help, that they're terrified of getting things wrong. So The amount of times the referee times. looked at it as well, it wasn't clear and obvious to him. Like I said, I think it was a penalty, but it shouldn't have been overturned. We've been unlucky mm. there, but we deserve yeah. to be unlucky because it was dog shit defending from Kieran Clark, not for the first Again. time. Again, yeah. I think I think that's something that we will look forward to under how is um, there won't be the f- I, w- I would expect that the favourites the undroppables might not have their their position secured like Lascelles Clark they haven't done anything this season to make you think they deserve a deserve a start. Well, let's talk about that um, after the break. We'll talk about the new Eddie Howe era and what we think might come of it we'll be back in a minute if you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen Check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. Welcome back to the Newcastle Nutter. Good break, guys. Lovely. Really, really lovely. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Dave, you mentioned you went for a piss and it had a really good, strong flow, you were saying. Strong, constant, yeah. It was gave me hope that I'm not. I'm not for the knackers yard yet. Don't have to go and get the bomb tickled by the doctor anytime soon. That's, well, the good, the, the big hope is now that we've got a new manager in. Newcastle United can have a good, strong flow. Nice. Yeah. Andy Sheldon says, I can see how being a good option for the relegation fight and a potential promotion push if needed next season. But is he the right choice long term as we look to push on to the next level? One Up Gaming says, I feel that Howe is the smart option for a few years to slowly build a squad. Then if we manage to move up to the top half of the table, then move for a so-called star name manager if the board feel Howe doesn't have that star power. There's a couple of thoughts from uh, Newcastle NASA listeners. 
I guess the key thing to talk about before we get into Eddie Howe himself is that I think it was this time last week that we recorded a podcast where we were almost certain, or it seemed that the the view seemed to be out there that it was almost certain that Unai Emery would be our next boss. Paul, you predicted that it might not happen. Yeah. You were right. I'm not often right. It's it's a nice feeling. I think it just came, I think, like I said at the time, a lot of things get leaked by our new owners before they've actually happened, as happened with the takeover in the build-up. And they seem to have ballsed it up quite badly with Emery. I think they they seem to have put him off by announcing it on the night of a Champions League, quite important Champions League Mm. game that he was involved in and sort of forced him into a rethink. And yeah, it was the night we recorded it. I think he was pretty much backing away from the job. It seemed like it it pissed off his current owners and he... And, and he didn't like that either. You know, he put him in a difficult position. I think yeah, the I other think thing is, oh, fuck you if you'd have taken it. Go on, Dave. Yeah. I think it was naive and amateurish, but then nobody who owns this club has ever owned a football club before. Um, I think Jamie Rubin's the only one with any football experience at QPR, but he's very much a junior partner. Um, I think. Didn't we see ages ago when um, another Saudi was interested in buying us, we were told that announcing things before they happen is quite commonplace in in business in that, in that neck of the woods. So announcing that Emery was going to be the new man or certainly leaking it to the press was, you know, it, that's fine. And it comes back to that thing we said last week where you've got a couple of people, um, a couple of parties rather, briefing um, and maybe not having that joined up conversation to say, well, let's just fucking wait until he's signed the dotted line or at least until he's agreed in principle or whatever. I think it was, yeah, it's amateurish. So we've ended up with Eddie Howe, uh, Unai Emery aside. How do you feel about that, Paul? I'm quite excited. I think Howe would have been a good choice from the off. What last week served to do is make it feel like a worse appointment than it would have done had the Emery thing not happened. It's a bit of a sort of PR own goal. I think a few fans were suddenly a bit underwhelmed by the appointment of Howe, but I think it's a good move. The other thing that's quite funny was suddenly the news came out that actually Eddie Howe had a really good interview (laughs) that came out after Emery turned us down. You thought this is quite transparent manoeuvre in here he just gave a really good job interview actually so he's probably the best candidate and we wanted him anyway but I think he may have been a better candidate for the job than Emery I think he's not as good an organiser defensively as Emery I think there's there's question marks over him but he's a definite upgrade on what we had before and I think a lot of the looking at Eddie Howe people seem to focus on him getting Bournemouth relegated and focus less on him taking them up from League Two and keeping them in the or League One and keeping them in the Premier League for five seasons, which feels like a much bigger achievement. He's an inter- he's an interesting one, isn't he? In the sense that he's he's like a lot of managers where his stock can 
go up or down a lot over the years. It was quite a long period where there probably wasn't a more fashionable English manager, certainly, mm. in the game. He was the sort of heir apparent to like some big jobs. He was he was considered one to look out for. And then Bournemouth went down, which was always, I mean, to be fair, he did spend some money, but which was always going to be on the cards. But it doesn't necessarily mean that he's, his abilities have changed. If you look at someone like David Moyes, you know, his stock has gone like up and down and up again dramatically over the course of his career. It doesn't mean that he was like ever a terrible manager. It's just things can go right or wrong at different clubs, right? At different times. Well, you, you, you look what at what I'm saying, Dave. You see what I'm well, getting yeah. at? Exactly. There's a, there's another good example, and I'm not saying that Eddie Howe is going to turn out this way, but Jurgen Klopp got Mainz up into the Bundesliga, and then they went down. You know, he, he had them up for a while, and then they went down under Jurgen Klopp. It didn't mean that Jurgen Klopp was a bad manager. There was just other factors at play. The the style of football that he played wore out the 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 lesser players that he had, which meant that. They dropped more points than perhaps better players would have. I think with with Howe, I think he's a, I think he's a very very good appointment for where we are now. Yes, it would have been amazing to have uh, like Favre or Emery. It would have been exciting to have Fonseca, but Eddie Howe is he's like a Fonseca in the he's a gamble. And he might get, he might not be able to keep us up. But he's young, plays dynamic football. He's really forensic on the on the training ground. He he demands a lot of energy from the players. You know, it, it is a brand of football that that does well in the leagues. Um, it might it might not be enough this season, but yeah, for like. I think I think it's a good appointment. And had it be had he been number one choice from the off, I don't think any Newcastle fans would have been upset by that. I don't think they would have been like, well, why maybe the hell some, aren't we? Maybe, maybe some might. I mean, well, yeah, some, but then some some Newcastle fans, you come in looking wet and they say it's sunny outside just to be cunts. So I think I think with with <laughs> with Eddie with Eddie Howe, I think an old homespun saying. <laughs> You know, I heard that before. Uh, <laughs> I like it. Might just be me, but no, I think I think Eddie has a really, I think Eddie has a really good appointment. The the thing about his his interview, like the the, the release about like the rumors about how he gave a really strong interview, I don't doubt that he did because he, through the reports I've read, he was turning up with not just a well, this is how I play. This is the brand of football I play. This is what I would like from you. This is what I'll give to you. He was talking specifically about the players that we've got and what he would want to do with them. And, you know, it from the reports, it does sound like you gave a really good interview. Com- He's com- a very presentable young man, isn't he? Yeah, but, but compare and contrast... Sorry, it was just compare and contrast that to Emery, who turned up and said, why do you want me? And it's like, it's a very different approach and you get the sense that for for how 
he's 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 taking this job because it, he thinks he can do well at it, and it's a good step up for his career, getting back into football, and he he'll be excited about it. For Emery, it would have been an interesting project that would have paid him a shit ton. I don't think he would have bought into the area and all the rest of it in the same way as um, someone like Howe or Fonseca would have. Because well, I don't a, think there's any reason to. We don't know who would have like bought no. into the area more or whatever. But I can see what you're saying. Basically, we were trying to get Emery, whereas Howe was trying to get this job. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And I, and I would rather somebody try and get this job instead one, of me trying to get something. Yeah. One thing that's fairly interesting to note is that um, uh, there's a lot of jobs going around in the Premier League now, or there have been over the last couple of weeks. And um, yeah. one person who hasn't been mentioned in the frame for any of those jobs is Steve Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, which, um, which may serve to 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 indicate that um, in the eyes of football, even if not everyone has always been prepared to say it, Eddie Howe is an upgrade of what on what came before, right, Paul? Yes, I think even the Norwich job, rock bottom of the Premier League, and Steve Bruce used to play for them. You would think he would be linked with that job, but it's not even been mentioned. And I don't think Norwich fans would want him anywhere near there. I think he'll be in the championship again. I think the other the other stuff to say with Howe is that you look at what he did with Bournemouth, a lot of that was getting far more out of average Premier League or championship players than you'd expect to. Players like Dan Gosling, lots of unfashionable players, which gives you some hope for, well, especially our defence You'd think Did you see the videos him, of him in training today? Yes. Yeah. Did you see the with, wild overreactions? Did you see the overreactions from fans though of like, this is going to go brilliantly? Look, he's telling them not to stand still. They weren't getting that before. <laughs> like, you don't know that. <laughs> it was like nine <laughs> right. second clips. Yeah. I did like the um, the line that was uh, you. We train like we play, um, and the. The, the inference I took was that training is going to be a lot harder. And given that he, given he's saying that, it, sound, it sounds like he's not going to get, be giving them lots of days off, you yeah, know, think, or anything I like that. For the last few weeks, the, well, for much of this season, the motto has been, we play like we train. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I do think as well, I think Graham Jones has had, it's not a huge effect, but I think one of the effects that you saw in the Brighton game is it was the first game where we've not been blown out of our asses at the end because we've not had these days off and we seem to have been training a bit harder. I do think there was, mm-hmm. I don't think it was a huge, there wasn't necessarily a managerial bounce, more like a managerial splat with Graham Jones, <laughs> but that was one of the effects I think was noticeable that we were more up for it than Brighton at the end even before mm. we're sending off. You would have thought that he's gone, Paul. Uh, Dave. Uh, Jones spoke of like a game plan, which was to to try and keep it tight. And I, I don't necessarily agree with it, but at least there was a game plan beyond, well, we'll we were unlucky and we'll roll up our sleeves and, you know, all these platitudes that came out. That it did look like the idea was to keep it tight for an hour 
and then go after it. But obviously, you know, it it, it didn't. We we looked much better in the second half, which which kind of like backs up what he was saying that there was a plan, and it just felt like, oh, holy shit, they they still exist, are they? So you would have thought that um, Eddie Howe will have identified some targets that he personally wants already. I mean, he's known he's been in the frame for this job for a while. I would imagine he's he's thought about what players he'd want to buy. I wonder, he signed Nathan Ake for, for Bournemouth. Yeah, I think he signed him for 20 million, sold him for 40. I think as well, when he was at Burnley, even though he wasn't there long, he signed players like Danny Ings, Kieran Trippier. And Trippier's one Alan Wilson. Linked, yeah, Trippier's one who's been linked with us. And I think how in his yeah, time I'm... out of the game, went over to watch, was it Atletico Madrid train and help out there where Trippier is. So I think he's had a fair bit of contact with him. I mean, Tri- mm. Trippier's in the first team at, at Atletico yeah. now, isn't he? Apparently he's been getting some criticism this season, I think. I'm not sure. Did I get that wrong? But um, certainly, Ake, he's... Is a potential loan signing, right? Is that someone who could help, or is he a bit yeah. suspect? Then? I think he's um, he's certainly suspect for the likes of Man City, but for us, he's in an terms upgrade, of ability, but... he's clearly an upgrade on what we have. Yeah, mm. but I think I as think well the... with the coaching, somebody like Jamal Lascelles isn't apart from his lack of pace isn't that different to say Tyrone Mings who played under Howe before I don't think I think Lascelles showed under Rafa with sort of more intense coaching he is actually a, a fairly decent player I do that might be wishful thinking I think he might be able to improve some of our back line a bit more than they are it would be interesting to see what happens with Jamal Lewis whether he starts getting in the team as well it would mm. be because considering he obviously had in the past, like quite a long time ago, uh, Matt Ritchie was a key part of his side, and mm. one assumes Fraser good, Wilson. Sure, but one assumes he had a good relationship with Matt Ritchie, and at one time Ryan Fraser, that obviously went sour. But they're also not the players that they were. Yeah. So does you know is is you know, you'd like to think you'll make the, the the decisions not based on sentimentality or anything, but is he going to be the man who steps in and throws Matt Ritchie out of the side in favour of Jamal Lewis? I don't, I don't know. I, th- I think that he he comes in with almost the, the freedom to make those kind of sweeping changes and then, you know, almost like say, well, this is this is my squad, but everybody can play into my thinking if they perform well in training and in the, the, the minutes that you get. So you almost get the, like, um, uh, like a fresh start. And so you can't really piss off a player by not selecting him initially if you, give, if you make it clear that the door's always open. Like if Matt Ritchie suddenly smashes it in training, comes on for a, like periods to to replace Jamal Lewis and does it brilliantly when he when he gets you know grabs his opportunities I, I think that he how's in a position where he can make changes across the board one thing I wanted to mention very quickly was uh talking about transfers and things like that there's a lot of rumors that were 
looking to appoint a director of football. And it's a guy well, that's called... something that the Magpie Group on Twitter asked. They said, uh, who would be your pick for uh, director of football? Is there anything you want to say on that, Dave? My pick would be Ralph Rangnick, but I'm not confident that we're in a position at the minute that we could get him because of the way we've seen so many of the the, man, well, the managerial situation was fumbled. Um, there's a lot of rumours about Mike Eminalo. Um, Is he the ex-Chelsea one? Yeah, yeah, he was the one that recruited uh, Lukaku, Salah, um, Courtois. So he's got some pedigree. I don't know if there's anything in it, but it sounds exciting. But then, what's his name? Michael Eminalo. E M. Sounds like an, an actor who was in like was in EastEnders in the nineties or something. Oh, he's gorgeous, <laughs> Michael Eminalo. <laughs> Michael Eminalo. Oh, he's gorgeous. Um, sorry, carry on. No one else probably sees that. Here's what I was going to say about Eddie Howe. Here's a yeah, question. Let's move the fuck Howe. on. Would I would I be right in thinking about Eddie Howe that he's not someone who has, in the way that uh, Jurgen Klopp has, or even someone like Chris Wilder, some like particular way of playing that's particularly. Uh, progressive or whatever like this this particularly radical style of football he's more in the vein of i don't know someone like pochettino or something in that it's like incremental improvements do you know what i mean like getting the most out of his players he's not got some great big football philosophy that's that's he radical does, right he he has he 100% has a football philosophy i don't know if it's massively radical and i do think it's about um, incrementally improving the players. His style of football is pretty, pretty standard. It uh, tends to be a four-four-two or four-four-one-one, um, with the the wingers in, inverting, so so pushing into the box, and then the the fullbacks underlapping to to go like well under. Um, it's a lot of pressing. It's a lot of high energy. Um, he demands a lot of that. He's not great defensive as well. A lot yeah, of possession. He likes the for his players to stay on the ball and be confident on the ball. Um a lot of a lot of one touch passing, stuff like that. So that's his that's definitely yeah, he definitely has a philosophy. However, that was at Bournemouth. He might have spent his time away from managing brushing up on stuff that he, he wasn't confident with. I, I, there was rumours that he went across, he went abroad to watch other other teams play. I think he went to, to watch um, Simeone's um, Atletico Madrid. Yeah. You know, the, the, there are... So he is a student of the game and if he sees that um, that style, which left his centre-backs quite isolated because often the full-backs would bomb on and the, the one defensive midfielder ahead of them. So you basically have three at the back and that wasn't enough given the quality of, of player that he had. He might have decided to to change things up a little bit. But I would say that the, the core of it is it's attacking football and making chances. The majority of crosses are not going to be from deep. They're going to be pullbacks. 
And that's that's why Wilson gobbled up so many goals for him. It is possible to play possession-based football without the most technically gifted players in the league, right? I mean, I remember Swansea doing that for a while years ago. He was doing mm-hmm. it with Bournemouth with like Lewis Cook and Harry Arter. Yeah. Say that again. Harry Arter. Yeah. They're not they're, they're not great players. I'm not, I'm not criticizing them as players, but no. I assume if you know if they were playing at that level, they weren't the most technically gifted players. Sorry, Paul. Yeah, no, I was sort of especially in terms of our central midfield, I think it's interesting to see what happens, especially to Hayden and Longstaff trying to play into that system. They've looked they've looked like shadows of the players they were under Rafa, not to always go back to him, but they've looked sort of incapable of simple passes. And I think once they've had a few weeks or a few months of training in that system, I think there could be... I don't know, it's all wishful thinking, isn't it? But they're the ones where I think we might see the most improvement. Mm. I think there's also very, very quickly just to, to, to mention that the, the reason I think that, that certainly Sean Longstaff, his passing percentages are so low are because we, we, we're not on the ball a lot and the majority of his passes are trying to find an outlet rather than trying to keep the ball. So the majority of them are looking for players who are often double-teamed like St Maximum or their high-risk high balls over for the striker or, or the opposite winger. I think prior, like, prior to Bruce Ball taking effect, I think Sean Longstaff is plenty comfortable playing little passes between himself and the, um, the, the rest of the, the midfield. Yeah. Okay, one so player, we're talking about, you know, go on. So I was going to say, one player where I think the opposite could be true. There's a few players like Almiron where I think it could be the perfect manager for him, the sort of his intensity impressing. St. Maximin's one where I think there's a there's a world where St. Maximin doesn't get in our first 11 after a few months of how. Yeah. Mm. Well, we'll have to I th- see. I think, that's, that. I think that's possible, but... St Maximum's got sufficient qualities that it would take him being replaced by somebody consistently good to to get him out of the side, if you see what I mean, because he, he can make a difference between uh, like a 1-1 one, one and a 2-1. So I don't know if that would mess... I think it's all about... It seems to be all about the effort and work ethic. I think if someone's not giving that, then they don't get picked under how. I think even if I, I, that in training, but I don't think I, I don't think Maximum's ever I can been... see him putting in the effort. I don't think I don't see yeah. him as a lost cause yeah. in that respect. I no, think, I think it could be interesting sort of... to see. It's going to be interesting to see if he ends up more like an, more like Ben Arthur or more like say Wilf Zaha, at Palace. Mm. That's what I was going to say. I think he can be our Wilfred Zaha, who was like able to be the top player under Hodgson and also a key part of. The errors side, which is a completely different kind of football. Um, Joe, we're talking about you know whether it's going to take how weeks or months to do whatever we hope he can do for us. Jordy Ash says, "Let's just go to this old favourite. What is our percentage chance of relegation versus staying up? I think we're currently bottom, aren't we, Dave? No, we're not bottom. Um, we're second bottom. 
<laughs> on goal difference. <laughs> on goal difference. Um, my percentage is 50-50. 50-50. Paul? I think 40% will go down. I would take us being, what are we, five points off safety at the minute? I yeah. would take us being five points off safety on the 1st of January, if that was offered now. Apparently, in the history of the Premier League, only one side has played 11 games, not got a victory, and not gone down. Uh, but I'd, I'd, be, I'd be very interested to see of those... How many points did that that did the other teams have? Because for all way, like like Paul says, we're only we're only five points off seventeenth. So yeah. literally two weeks, and our and we could be seventeenth. Of those, how many spent a hundred million in January? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Plus three of our next four games look sort of. I mean, nothing's looking winnable by our standards, but they look like our more winnable games. Yeah. Okay, one thing before we go, we've got the international break coming up, so I don't know how much it's worth predicting the next game. Maybe we'll do that just for the fuck of it. One thing I think it's worth mentioning just very quickly, we won't get bogged down in these issues again, but um, United with Pride, who are the LGBTQ+, plus, uh, group for Newcastle United, uh, got into a little bit of bother with some people this week because I think what's basically happened is that some uh, LGBT groups from other football clubs are likely to do protests when they play us, have banners, basically. And uh, United with Pride have said they don't want to be involved in any of that. And could the other groups please inform them about what they're going to do so that they can inform Newcastle United Football Club, which seems a bit odd. And they've, from outside of Newcastle fans, they've got quite a lot of shit for that this week. Um, I don't know if it's our place to say much on it, but I thought it was worth mentioning. Anyone want to say anything on that? It's a tricky one. I think I think from the outside it definitely looks like a bizarre decision and looks like you're sort of selling your morals out for a comfortable position with the club. But then I feel like I'm doing that as a fan, so I can't really criticize them too much for that. But it the bit that seems very odd is the so they can inform the club. That doesn't yeah. necessarily sit right. It's got to be it's hard though, because I think you're already a minority group amongst Newcastle fans, and then you're being asked to just go against. I mean, we saw that poll in the build-up to the takeover. Was it 97% was a support to trust poll of fans who are in favour of the takeover? So it's basically saying you're a minority group. Go and make yourselves even more unpopular. But I, I think. If you're a single-issue group, which they kind of are, or a multi-issue group, if you're breaking it down to each separate group, you sort of need to represent that. And I do think they should be speaking up much more about this issue. It's hard to attack them for it, because you have to assume that people who are basically doing it as a hobby 
and aren't necessarily they've suddenly found themselves in this huge mm. political situation where it's like the decisions aren't necessarily easy anymore but uh, you, uh, you would hope that there would at least remain an ally for the cause that they're there for you know they want to continue supporting newcastle and that's what we're all doing as well but mm. if they become if other fan groups want to hold up banners and they're sort of like helping to oppose that. I don't know. I'm, I'm not so keen on that. Dave? I, you don't have to say anything. No, I just, I just think it's a, I think I said to you guys before, it's a really hard needle to thread for three straight white middle-class men to, to speak on topics that, we're not really impacted by we're not a minority group ourselves. It's a hard hard to know. Isn't it? <laughs> but um, like, no, I sorry, mean, I'm not gonna speak on civil rights because I'm not affected. Well <laughs> they they came for the and I didn't speak up. No, I I think I'm amazed, the, Dave, you're you're middle class now. When did this happen? Yeah, Dave, congratulations. Uh, you've you've always with, been middle class. I'm literally sitting here drinking a bottle of Newcastle Brown Ale. It's it's purely the misses. Um, personally, I think that um, like no one likes a grass. Don't tell the club. <laughs> Just like, yeah. Snitches get stitches, man. Like or switches or you know lashes. I, I and, hope and, we, and, there, and was a, there was a, there there was in the last week or two. An Australian footballer who uh, came out, and the club put out a supportive tweet of that. And, mm. and now, okay. basically, anything, any issue that ha- happens like that in the next year or two, there's always going to be eyes going towards our club because we're at the forefront of that now. But I think I the do, important is we're still yet to have the first out Premier League player. I think it yeah. would be really great and also quite funny if that was to happen soon and for it to be one of our squad. But I, th- I think, I think, it's, I think sorry, that would Paul. become part of sports washing. I think it would be worse if it was one of our players because it would suddenly paint the Saudis as a liberal group. I think oh, the maybe. club releasing that video, for example, is that sports washing. That's trying to sort of just cover up the... The horrors of our owners. Okay. I, th- I think I, th- I think I think we have to be like we have to go into it with our eyes open and and say that our our owners are are the, <laughs> the fucking worst. But there's plenty of owner ownership groups owners who are representatives of countries or representatives of states or or just prominent members of those states. Who are vehemently opposed to to homosexuality, and I think that United with Pride could comfortably um, ask for for unity, ask for solidarity, ask for allies, uh, all the rest, anything that they need to do in flags. I don't think they need to specifically target the Saudi ownership. I don't think they have to do that. I think they can ask for fairness and humanity in general 
without... think, no, well, yeah, we're, let's not go up down on it, but yeah, yeah, but I think, I, I, I think it would be like good. I say, if they, if they, you know, they represent what they represent, I think it would be good if they continue to support our football club, but threw in the odd banner themselves. I think that'd be good, but you know, it's up to them. Mm. Um, our next home game is against the it is after the international break, but it is at home to Brentford. Mm-hmm. You'd have to say that's a winnable game. They have been good this season, but maybe they're starting to take a little bit of a turn for the worse. Well, they just lost to Norwich. Exactly. They just lost to Norwich. I'm sure they want a reaction after that. But, I mean, we've got to fucking find some victory somewhere. Home to Brentford. You'd have to say that's an opportunity. Dave, give me a prediction quickly. 3-0. 3-0 to us. Yeah. Oh, wow. that'd be good. Paul? I'm going to go 2-1 to us. But I think oh, they have lost. Oh, yeah. They've lost four in a row in the league. And the last two were against Burnley and Norwich. So I, I think they may have had their, their good start and now it's all possibly falling yeah, it's, apart. It, and I hate to be negative, but it's a bad time to play them because they're going to be able to like regroup, recoup during the international break. But I still just think, yeah, fuck them, we're going to get into them. Eddie Howe's bags, let's go. We're going to be able to regroup and recoup because we're fortunate enough to have quite a few players who aren't internationals. <laughs> so um, I'm going to predict 2-0. Uh, no, I'm not going to get. I don't know if you thought I'd go 1-1, but you've both persuaded me. You've made me feel optimistic. So that's Jeez. three predictions of three points, which means we will almost certainly lose, and I apologise for that. So um, let's leave it there. Thank you very much, Dave Watson. Cheers. Thank you, Paul Doolan. Thank you. Thank you to Graham Jones for your short stewardship of our club. And thank you to you, the Newcastle Natter listener. Goodbye. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.